morning again. I'm going to ask you to do something a little out of comfort zone. If you're willing and you're able, can we just kind of all move to the center? We are a family and kind of, if you don't want to, that's fine, but I thought it'd be nice to everybody kind of gather in the middle as you're making your way. Um, first of all, I do apologize for that last song. I was getting into the power of the blood. I didn't realize we're going on to the next verse. I was back there doing my thing, but uh, it's exciting it to think about what the blood of Christ can do for us. We're taking a break from the series 10%, a call to biblical stewardship. Now, there are three more messages remaining in that series, but we'll return to it at the beginning of the year, the Lord willing. Our Christmas series is entitled, The Promise Our Savior Has Come. And this should come as no surprise to us that we will discover that God indeed keeps His promises. His promises give us hope, peace, joy, and love. It's kind of sad or even tragic, some might say, that each holiday we celebrate, we're barely over it and we start to think about it next year. I mean, we're literally weeks away from the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is coming. What I mean by preparing for the next year, perhaps some of you started the countdown for Christmas immediately after last Christmas. Uh, you look forward to it. Uh, you know people who keep their Christmas trees lights up all year long? Do y'all do that? They claim because it's too hard to take them down and put them back up every year. Do you know anybody listens to Christmas music year-round? No? Well, you know, there are people like that, and we could call them dedicated or devoted. And you may not be that extreme, but I tell you this, you can relate to the feeling of anticipation. I remember as a child seeing all those presents underneath the tree and how I just wanted to grab them and see how heavy they were, maybe even take a peek, which happened to me even as an adult. Ask Tammy about that. Because when I opened the present, it wasn't what I peeked at. It was something totally different, but that's another story. But you, you wanted to see and what you could possibly get on Christmas Day. How about sleeping on Christmas Eve? You ever have problems sleeping when you were younger even perhaps now you may have a hard time sleeping on Christmas Eve all this is part of celebrating Christmas because the anticipation of the holiday is just as enjoyable as the holiday itself and we're going to talk about hope this morning now hope is a word that we use a lot during the Christmas season for example I hope this tree fits in the living room I hope I get what I want this Christmas. I hope mom does not burn the ham or the turkey this year, or I hope it's not dry. <laughs> I hope it snows this year. But when our hopes are just wistful thinking like that about trivial things, we have lost the depth of the meaning of the word hope. I mean, after all, Scripture does not define the word hope like this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 
Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about hope, we always think about things to come in the future. However, our hope has a lot to do with our present right now. Look what that verse said before, fix your hope. It said, prepare your minds for action. Literally, gird up your loins. Now, back in those days, the men would wear these long outers. We call them shirts or a gown that would come down their ankles. And so when you have a, a garment down here by your ankles, you have to move quickly. You get tripped up. You would fall. So it means gird up your loins. You, you would pull them up, and they put it in their belt. That way they're ready to move in a dangerous situation or be able to take off somewhere very rapidly. See, that hope he's talking about, fix your hope completely. Get ready for action now. It's not out there somewhere in the future, but it affects us here and now. And as we recognize that our future is shaped by the present, we should be fully aware of both that hope means that we're fully prepared for what is to come, both in the present and in the future. See, hope is a certainty about the future that impacts the present. Let me repeat that. Hope is a certainty about the future that impacts the present. You know this. Our hope is not set in some ambiguous optimism where we're just hoping for the best. No, our, our hope is based on specific moments in history. The arrival of Jesus Christ as a baby, his life, his death, his resurrection were moments in history. And because of that, it gives us hope to live in the here and now because in light of that future promise, remember he was promised to come years before he came. What does he promise? I will come and take you back to where I'm at. I'll go to prepare a place for you so when I come back you can be where I'm at. He told us he's coming back. That promise is going to happen. That promise should impact our present day. It's about restructuring the way we look at the world. Not as it is right now, but one day Christ is going to come back and he's going to set everything right. And as you look at the Christmas story, Every person within that story were full of hope about the fulfillment of a historic promise God had made centuries before. For example, Isaiah 9-2. Let's take a look at Isaiah 9-2. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Now, as we found out later in Luke, we come across a guy named Simeon. And this guy was promised, now bear with me, this guy was promised that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. His life would be spared until he saw the anointed one. And he's there when Joseph and Mary bring baby Jesus to the temple. Isaiah 9-2 would be a prayer of Simeon. He was looking for an anticipation of the Messiah. So Isaiah 9-2, he would know that promise. 
And he would live his life based on that promise, always looking for and anticipating, because he was promised that he would see the Messiah before he would die. That leads us now to our main text in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Bear with me as I turn there. Luke 2, 25. And the first line, we're introduced to this gentleman. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Look how he's described. And this man was what? Righteous and devout. He's looking for, some, for something Pacific, looking for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit, <coughs> excuse me, was upon him. And had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. His father and his mother were amazed at these things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And his sword will pierce even your soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. <laughs> He's told he would see him. And in Luke we're told that he came in the Spirit into the temple. When Simeon looked at Jesus, Jesus didn't do it. I mean, he was just a child at this point, just a baby. When he looked, he knew immediately who he was. Overcome by joy and hope as he realizes that this one he's been waiting for, the very one the world has been waiting for, is here and now, and he takes him into his arms, and he recites that beautiful prayer that you see in verses 29 through 32. Can you imagine what Simeon must have felt in that moment? What would be waiting for something for such a long time, and now it's right there, and you're holding the Messiah in your arms. To know what he had hoped for for so long had finally come to pass. Now, Simeon Depending on who you read, some scholars say he was 115, some say he's 100, some say he's 85. But he was an older gentleman. The point being, he had seen many things happen. He had seen his own country attacked time and time again by different nations. He had saw his people be crushed. He saw all these difficult circumstances in the history of Israel, yet he never wavered from his hope. He believed that God would do it, that God would come through, and God had not quit upon the people of Israel. He held out hope. Simeon still believed the Messiah, the Deliverer, was still on his way. In Luke chapter 2, he's at the temple holding the Messiah. The one through whom the one through whom the whole world would be rescued. So hope is a certainty. In the midst of his circumstances, he found himself in, remember this, he never lost hope. 
He knew God was going to come through. Second point, hope is birthed out of deep longings and a desperate need. And I mentioned this earlier. Look back in verse 25. He was looking for something very pacific, the consolation of Israel. That word in Hebrew that's translated consolation means encouragement or comfort. doesn't mean he was waiting for God to pat him on the back or waiting for a few nice words. It's going back to Isaiah. And as we just talked about, for hundreds of years, Israel had been defeated and destroyed by many nations. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now in his day, the Romans. And part of Israel, that book, was written right in the middle of those difficult times, pointing to a coming comfort through the Messiah that God would send. Even in the midst of those hard circumstances, God still promised the Messiah would come. Many in his time and age, when Simeon was living, many would look around and be discouraged. Look at our present situation. How bad it was. But they could have hope, comfort, and encouragement that God would indeed come through. Now look at that word looking. It was looking. That word literally means, if you broke it down, look at the Hebrew, to give access to oneself. What it's getting at is a deep longing within you, to the point you almost feel pain. You're so longing for it, desperately wanting it to happen. So much hurting that it waits. So much hurting, uh, I misspoke, so much that you wait that it just hurts. You ever waited for something so badly it just hurt? You just couldn't wait for that event or someone to show up? See, his hope, his expectancy was birthed out of his awareness for his deep need for God's comfort and healing. He desperately knew, knew that, that he needed God's comfort and healing. He longed for it. He knew it. Longing for that. During these weeks, dear beloved, leading up to Christmas, I want to encourage you to allow yourself feel your deep need you have for God. Many of us, when we sense that deep need, we just fill it with shopping or accomplishments or parties, denial or even substance abuse. People get depressed during the holidays. We know this. The scientists tell us people get depressed. There's a lot of suicides during the holidays. Why? Because there's a sense of that deep need. They need something. And they're trying desperately to fill whatever they can. They go get drunk. They do drugs. They go shopping, get in debt, whatever. And at the end of the day, it doesn't fulfill what they're looking for. What a wonderful opportunity for God to put us in our culture and our society and speak truth. That's a nice new car you got there. And you might have excitement over it for the first month. When you start making those car payments, it's going to lose its excitement very quickly. But let me tell you something that will never disappoint you. And you can speak the gospel into their lives. We need to lean into our deepest need for God's comfort and healing. We don't need to try to distract ourselves. Because if we do that, if we distract ourselves... We'll miss the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I, I pray that this Christmas season will be different than 
any other season before. We will allow ourselves to distract ourselves or self-soothe ourselves. We will wrestle with our pain. We'll come face to face with the brokenness of the world. Because it's only when we see that emptiness of our normal Christmas hustle and bustle that we'll realize we've been selling for less what is available to us and we'll come face to face with our deep longing of us wanting comfort and hope that's only available through Christ. So much hype for Christmas. Sail here. Sail. We even have a special holiday called Black Friday to buy that special gift. And what do the advertisements tell you? New, improved, and bring 100% satisfaction. They promise all the stuff, but they can't follow through with it. And sell myself short. It's nice to have presents, but that present is not going to fulfill my deep need I have for comfort and healing that I only can find in Jesus. So hope is birthed out of our deep longings and desperate need. It, it's not just our personal, but how about our society? Look, look at our world. Look at our nation. How the enemy has divided us so much. As I would tell my girls, we've been selling ourselves short. We've been buying into the lie that the world's been promoting. You know, let's, let's take their eyes off of Christ and promise over here and promise over there. And we're running from sale to sale to buy stuff we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. We miss the goal of the whole thing. And that is Christ. Leads me to the third point. Our hope is found in a person. And as we read First Peter a minute ago, we are told that our hope is not in some type of wishful thinking, not in our 401k, not in our job, not in some president or a good medical report. Our hope is in Christ and his promised arrival in the future. Do we live like that every single day knowing that this could be the day when Christ comes back? How do I live my life in such a way in light of that truth? How, how should I, I should be telling people about the gospel. I should be so focused on him. You know, as you read the New Testament, go back and read the New Testament. Many people come in contact with Christ, but they miss the significance of who he really is. Even though the Old Testament was full of writings that pointed to the Messiah when he arrived. But Simeon didn't miss it, did he? He knew who Jesus was. Even at just a month old, he knew that Christ was the anointed one who was promised to come and he would bring hope, peace, joy, and love. Why did Simeon get it so right when everybody got it so wrong? Because people were looking for something that Jesus was not. He was not what most people expected the Messiah to do. They wanted a political warrior king that would overthrow the oppressor of the Jews and put them back on top. They did not expect the Messiah to be born in a, in a baby, as a baby, born in a manger that would grow up and offer himself on the cross. That did not compute. How can that be the Messiah? They missed it. The people missed Jesus. Because their hope 
was in specific expectations. The expectations were all about what they wanted God to do. And when Jesus failed to meet those expectations, they missed him altogether. But you see, Simeon had a different hope. He had a different hope. Please hear me. When our hope is placed on anything other than the promises of God and the fulfillment of those promises in Christ, we tend to settle for a hope in lesser things that always fail and lead to frustration. This morning, in the midst of whatever you're going through, where do you find hope? Because how you answer that question makes all the difference. Is your hope based on something you want God to do, or is it based surely on who God is? Because He keeps His promises. And during this time of year, this Christmas season, the, the good life and the bad, bad of life are all, all overly exaggerated. And this time of year, we become more aware that we can't solve problems the way we want to. There's people we can't control. There's expectations we cannot meet. These are problems you will never solve over the holiday season, much less the rest of the year. There are expectations that you will try so hard to meet for someone else in your family, and you'll never be able to do it. That's not what your hope is. You see, dear beloved, there's a difference in being hopeful for something and being hopeful in something. Choose this year to face your deep longing and come to believe that there is one Pacific source whom you can derive hope from, and that is, of course, Jesus Christ, the promise, the Messiah the anointed one. The best gift you can give anyone is your testimony of who Jesus is. See, as Americans, we place way too much of our hope in the White House in Washington, D.C. We place way too much hope in our government. You know why I can say that? Because the government is made of people. People are sinners by nature. All of us are. It's never going to be perfect. Now, we need to be involved in the political process. Don't misunderstand me. But if I put all my hope in who the next president is, I'm missing the whole goal of it all. See, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And he never fails. He will never disappoint. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So this Christmas season, allow yourself to feel your deepest needs, that inner, sorry, inner struggle. That, that you know, if, if we were just you and I sitting at your kitchen table, what is your deepest longing? What do you just... You could, what, would you, what would you like to see happen? What's that really gnawing deep down? Put that before God. Allow yourself to recognize that we all 
desperately need God. The enemy has us chasing material things left and right. This came home to me not too long ago. Many of you know about famous situation Tammy and I has faced. But I realized there's nothing I could do. I couldn't throw money at it. I couldn't come in in such a situation on my own. I didn't have the wisdom, the strength, or the opportunity to do it. There's only one person I could turn to. And that was Christ. Celebrate Christmas. Have a wonderful time. Decorate the tree. Spend time. You realize the most precious thing you got is relationships with each other? That's more precious than any money you could accumulate. More precious than anything you could possibly have in your home. That's the most precious thing is your relationship with each other. And your most important relationship of all? With Christ. Don't get so caught up in the season that you miss the whole point of the season in the first place. We sing joy to the world. You ever notice this? When we sing some of these great hymns, especially that deal with the arrival of the Messiah, joy to the world. Really? That's joy? I mean, I've experienced my salvation. I have experienced my sins forgiven. Why not sing that Joy! Well, Tim, what's wrong with you? you talk, no, my joy is not based in my job in America. It's not based even as pastor of this church. It is based in a real person who gave himself for me. And his name is Christ, Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, when you have that, that's solid. It will give you hope. Because if you've been watching the news, there's not much hope out there. We're all doomed according to the mass media. But don't forget who's really in control, who's really calling the shots. And he was, he's truthful. You can believe him. He's honest. Why? Because he told us in the New Testament, I tell you these things now, Tim's translation, you won't find this in your translation, so you won't freak out when it happens. Aha, God told me. Jesus told us there would be persecution. That many, of, many people's love would grow cold. Daughter against mother, mother against daughter. All these things that we see happening, he told us they would happen. But persevere. Don't give up. Trust me, and I will see you through. Christmas. You know, Christ was probably more born in the springtime, if you want to be honest about it. But this time, society as whole has set aside this time to talk about and open to conversations about the gospel. What a wonderful opportunity we have to speak truth into our society. I'm going to end with this. I hope I don't make Tammy upset with this one. She likes the artist Adele. 
I kind of like her music too. And she had a special concert on, and it was streaming. So we watched it. Beautiful voice. And she's, I mean, the, the gift that God's given her. And she just, she flat out sing beautifully. I can't remember the name of the song. There's a specific song that she sang. And one thing about her, a lot of her writing, or a lot of her songs come out of really a lot of suffering and pain she's been through. And she's really transparent with that in her, in her song. So I think that's why people like to connect with her, because she doesn't hold back. I mean, she's, she's agonizing. You can tell in the song. I mean, some of the lyrics she writes, whoa, wow. But there's one specific song she was talking about, suffering, and she's tried this, she's tried that, nothing's working, I'm so desperate, I'm walking alone. And I looked at my wife, I said, you know what she's asking for? She is crying out for the gospel, writing this wonderful song. You can see the audience, people are crying, they're, into the, they're listening to the, to the song. I'm thinking, man, what a wonderful opportunity to go up to that microphone and speak the truth of the gospel to those people. Hey, I understand your suffering, I understand where you're coming from, we all suffer we all experience those things. Let me tell you about the hope that I have. I'm telling you. Yeah, those things happen in life, but what a wonderful opportunity to speak the truth in so many people's lives. But I must warn you, you've got to put the words into action. Don't say one thing and do another. Follow it up. As they say on the street, and only talk the talk, but walk the walk. Not too long ago, people, Tammy works, and the language is not the best, and something was said. Well, I never hear Tammy use any profanity. Tammy, why is that? Right there. Golden opportunity. Golden opportunity. If we open our eyes, dear beloved, those opportunities are everywhere. Why spend a bunch of money you don't have to spend when you can share the greatest gift ever given to mankind and womankind, sorry. And that is the gospel, that is Jesus himself. I'm hopeful for the future. Not because Republicans might get the White House in the election, or I might get a raise at work. I can face the future with hope. Because he keeps his word. And as I look back, look how far he's brought me. Don't let circumstances get in the way can you relate to Simi a little bit more seeing his country tore up do you see some parallels here between where we find ourselves and where he was what a wonderful opportunity if you don't know him I'll ask you to come if you need to pray pray if you need to cry out to God the most simple prayer when you don't know what to say, what I do, Lord, help me. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you 
for your word. We thank you, Father, that you keep your promises. You are faithful. You are trustworthy. And Father, with everything going on around us, so much confusion, hatred, people hurting all around us, we know the answer to that. And the answer is found in your Son. And Father, we know that no matter what happens, we know where we will be one day. As you promised the arrival of your Son so many years before, you have promised that you will come back and get us. Father, we stand on that promise. We know there's coming a day when everything will be set right. There'll be no more suffering, no more pain. I know people have said, dear God, there's no tears in heaven, but I can imagine on that day to see everything. Me living in that moment, we'll be so full of joy and delight and wonder that we overcome with tears. Father, I pray for each individual that, that's here, the people within the sound of my voice, dear God, I pray that amongst all the, the busyness of this Christmas season and decorations, the gifts, and everything that comes along with it, that, Father, you would comfort them with your hope that we'll never lose sight of it. That the reason we can even celebrate is because of the arrival of your Son, the Messiah. Father, continue to speak to our hearts this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just stand with me, please.